Hi there, I'm Robert Nedgen, host of the Information Security Podcast. Today, we are live from the Information Security Summit 2019 event in Cleveland, Ohio, where thought leaders and industry experts come together for three days of intriguing discussion, networking, and learning. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Bob Kakla from IBM. Bob, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I had uh, the privilege of sitting in your talk and, and hearing that nice long introduction, but uh, just to do it in the form that you would like to do it, please tell us a little bit about yourself and, and introduce yourself to our, our podcast audience. Sure, I'd love to. So I'm Bob Kalka. I'm the uh, Global Vice President of Cybersecurity for IBM. I uh, recently hit uh, 30 years with IBM, of which 25 has been spent uh, building our cybersecurity business. I think I was one of the first 12 people back in 1994 focusing on distributed security. And uh, we are now up to 8,000 people doing it. And we've grown into a $3.5 billion business in IBM. And uh, it's, so we've become one of the top two or three cyber vendors in the world. Now, the meaning of information security and cybersecurity, which often are used interchangeably, but perhaps are not exactly the same thing, it's changed a lot in 30 years. I think of 30 years ago, it was just user ID and password. That was my idea of security. Well, well, right. Maybe a little more than that. But. Yeah. Well, in the late 1990s, it, when you pick up an article about cyber, it was always about network security, right? I mean, it was antivirus and firewalls, right? And then people started moving into public infrastructure. And then um, and it went on from there as the business, and this is really relevant to the cloud discussion, as the business would start innovating with technology back then through portal servers and stuff, security was always trying to catch up, right? And now that people are moving to the cloud, it's kind of the same deal. It's like cyber is trying to catch up to make sure they're part of the conversation as early as possible. One of the phrases you used, which I, I love it, I'm gonna steal it, cyber bubble. Yeah. And there's an IT bubble too. And a lot of us in IT and, and information security, we get all used to the TLAs, the three-letter acronyms. And so there's a whole world out there, perhaps some who are listening to the podcast months from now, driving on a car down some lonely freeway, and they're listening to this podcast because they want to learn more about information security. Perhaps they're a business professional, not one of us IT geeks or cyber geeks. How would you describe the cloud to that person? It's not only defined in the cloud, it's what does cybersecurity mean relative to the cloud? Because the cloud for some people is a statement like uh, same mess for less, you'll hear people talk about. The cloud is this thing out there that I can move my IT workloads to, and it doesn't cost me as much. So that's good. So some people say the cloud is any system that I move to off-premise, right, that's not sitting here. To others, it's this mystical thing that just will solve all the problems. We see a lot of issues at clients these days that see the cloud as the answer before they even understand what the question is they're trying to solve, right? So I'm going to move stuff to the cloud. Well, what am I going to move to the cloud and why am I going to do it? And oftentimes they'll go, well, because we've got to cut costs and we've got to shift from CapEx to OpEx, and so we're going to move stuff into the cloud but it's being done for like a vanilla reason, not for a strategic business reason. And, um, and when you layer cyber on top of that, it gets even more interesting. Does an organization use a different approach for cloud security than in-house security, or is that a mistake? It's a question that everybody asks, and what it does is expose the fact that all moving to the cloud does is it takes whatever 
shortcomings and holes you have in your existing program, and it just amplifies them when you move to the cloud. Because no longer is it your own IT systems that say the lack of a certain control, let's say privileged account management, right? You should pay attention to the insider accounts, not because you shouldn't trust your no, privileged accounts, let's say for the the business person who's not a cyber geek, that, that's like the network admin. That's the person Precisely. who has the keys Precis- to the kingdom. The sysadmins that can do stuff and that the paranoid mind would say, oh, they can do nefarious things and then cover their tracks, right? So the reason most people struggle with privileged account management is not at all that they have crooks working for them. That's, you know, in the vast, vast majority of the cases, not the case. The problem is that with, in particular, the move to the cloud, the systems have gotten so complex. For example, there's a study that just came out that said only 7% of organizations are confident they know where all of their sensitive data is. Okay, in the world of cybersecurity, sensitive data is the ultimate. It's what ultimately you're doing everything for is to protect your sensitive data, the crown jewels data. Only 7% of organizations know where that is, even inside of their own shop. Now you're going to have people start spreading it out to various cloud services and stuff. I mean, how many times, I mean, it's like a weekly occurrence now that you hear that, oh, someone um, stuck a MongoDB out into a cloud service, didn't realize they were supposed to lock it down. And now... Somebody else is going to take care of that for me, right? Right. Well, well, yeah, we were talking about earlier, there's a great concept in cybersecurity around moving to the cloud that I've uh, become enamored by. Because I see it at a lot of shops that I go into to help on this. And the mentality is we shift to they secure. People believe that our job is to shift the workload to the cloud. They have magic boxes in the cloud. Correct. And they have cloud ser- the cloud service and providers going to lock it down for There's a strong hint of sarcasm when I say that, of, of course. Of course, of course. So the issue is, is that the cloud service providers, right, whether it's AWS, Azure, IBM, Google, whatever – we all have security capabilities, but you have to do something with them. Just like you got to do that in your own shop. You can buy products that give you these facilities, but you have to spend the time to configure them right. So one of the issues that gets amplified in the cloud is that in the world of cyber, the world right now, this is not an overstatement, the world is full of underdeployed security tools. People, you mean all those magic boxes need people thinking about how the magic boxes are used? relative, yes, and relative to risk, right? So the world is full right now of magic boxes that were put in because we needed to have one of those magic boxes, right? And a lot of people stop there. Like, hey, we got the magic box. We spent two weeks configuring it. Let it do its magic. And the truth is, is cybersecurity is risk management. That's why cybersecurity exists is risk management. Risk management means You need to manage, you need to set up, you need to configure these magic boxes around what risks are you worried about. And those risks change over time. So when you put in these magic boxes and just set them up and go, instead of a constant process around risk management, that's why I say the world is full of underdeployed security tools. Because they're there, but they're not really doing what they were intended to do. So you could have the best security architecture, but it's not going to help you because it's not being used to its fullest capability. Precisely. Okay, so five years ago, if you wanted to appear like we've got our act together on cyber, you'd say, oh, we've got a multi-layer architecture, right? Or multiple layers of defenses. And you don't hear that much anymore because what's happened is that the funding levels and efficacy of what the black hats are doing out there, of breaking into systems, when they hear a company say... Wait a minute, the bad guys... 
They're utilizing their tools? <laughs> Ill health, of course. You mean they're actually using their tools to do, you know, uh, International Crime Inc. or whatever? Oh, look, there, there are black hats that are literally using business analytics tools. Wait when, a minute, business, they're having business meetings? The crooks are having <laughs> business meetings? Of course they are. And, and I'm being a little sarcastic because I've heard this before, and, and I think it's a point that needs to be emphasized a lot to business professionals who um, need to be informed about yeah. the fact that there is a real risk out there. And, and again, we're in the cyber bubble. We know it, and, and we can't understand why everybody else doesn't get it. And we want to invite them into the bubble. And, and this podcast is an example of, hey, we're trying to share the bubble with some of these you know, business professionals out there. And we get passionate about information security. Yeah, well, and that's one of the things that actually uh, almost repels some others, right? Because, uh, so look, I mean, you know, so I've got a master's degree in small group psychology from Syracuse University from their business school, organizational change and development, they call it. And what I learned very early in my cyber career is that one of the big issues is how we act in the cyber bubble, right? The cyber bubble is those of us who know it well, who live it, who practice it for a living and stuff. And there's a great little realization that we had that, you know, you might have heard me share this earlier, is that in our individual psychology, when you have someone in your life who's telling you what you're doing wrong all the time, hopefully not your spouse, right? Then you naturally kind of like don't want to hang out with that person that much. And from a group psychology point of view, what does the cybersecurity team represent it's the team that's always telling the business, well, no, you need to do that before you can do that, or no, you're doing that wrong. So there's a natural aversion in organizations, right? We all say the right things. Yeah, we got to work together. We're all in this cyber is all of our jobs. But there is a very natural kind of push away. That's a profound thought. Cybersecurity and business management need to go to group counseling together. Now, that's a profound thought. I mean, I'm just having that thought as you're describing this, but it's accurate. It, it's accurate, right? Because I can tell you that, oh, I'm committed to security and will do the right thing, but then why? Why then, in the latest study, is 74% of organizations still does not have an up-to-date, well-defined incident response plan. So how do they prepare for the future? How do they do it? How do they, oh, how do oh. they get that momentum moving yeah, forward? Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't do it through just a tabletop exercise, right? What the typical way people will say you do this is you get business and, uh, and security together is you go through a tabletop exercise. You know, I talk to a lot of folks on the business side that go through these things, and they say, yeah, it was sort of useful, but the scenario wasn't really realistic, so I was kind of paying attention, but only so what. But of course, everybody says the right things, but they're not really connected. So what we found, the profound way of addressing this is there are cyber ranges popping up around the world right now. We, we happen at IBM, we have one in Boston, and we also have a mobile one and an 18-wheeler traveling around Europe right now. And what these cyber ranges do is you bring the sea levels in along with the CISO and you go through simulated attacks, and it feels real. And it feels so real that by the end of this session, and I've been in dozens of these with clients, by the end of it, everyone who's outside of the cyber bubble, meaning everyone but the CISO, looks at the CISO and says, my goodness, I understand now why this is all of our job. Because look, when you're sitting there and you have a cyber event, 
And all of a sudden, there's a reporter at the front door calling the VP of operations saying, uh, you've got 3 million records flying around Pacebin out there. Do you have any comment? And you're going, wait, this, I don't even know anything was going on, right? That's when it's panic time. You don't know what to do. And what taking a leadership team through a cyber range experience does is get them to realize, you know, we need to think about this in advance, not waiting for it to happen. And that is probably the most profound way that people are doing right now. And I'll tell you the proof in the pudding. We opened our cyber range in Boston a couple of years ago, almost as kind of an experiment. And it's gotten so popular that we now had to add a second shift and we're booked three to four months out from clients bringing in the entire senior leadership team because companies are realizing we have to be on the same page, not just saying it, but we actually have to be there, meaning we're doing the planning, we're putting the incident response plans in place, we're testing them. So when something happens to us, because it probably will, this ain't the first time we thought about it. I can imagine there are security analysts, security managers, other security professionals who are listening to those comments and saying, I wish I could do that. But they're in a small to medium-sized company and they don't have the resources to bring in the small to medium-sized company into the cyber range, what advice would you give them? What what kind of actionable takeaways yeah, could you well, give them to, to yeah, do no, something? No, I, I totally get it. So first off, it's actually a misnomer. The, we don't even charge for most of the cyber range visits. So we have medium-sized companies coming in all the time. But if you can't get, here's what's the more realistic scenario, is that the other senior leaders won't come in because they go, well, I'm not willing to take a day or two out of the office to go do that because this is important, but they're not really feeling it enough to make the commitment to do that, right? And in that case, what you can do is you can bring in consultants, for example. For example, we do a Cyber Range Comes to You event where we'll actually bring in one of our professionals that does this to essentially do something very similar at the customer site because you can get the execs in the room for a couple of hours on their location. And that's becoming very popular with small and medium business. Executives have to understand the importance of cybersecurity, information security. It, it, it's not something they can just hand off to somebody else and say, it, it's your job. They need to feel it, right? Everybody intuitively understands it these days, but it's feeling it to where I need to take action to do something because I know when it happens to us, I don't feel prepared for what I'm going to do. That's the magic you need. As I was reading some of your biographical information, I noticed some fascinating things. We talked about passion. And your passion extends beyond cybersecurity. Oh, God, yeah. And I was noticing that you actually were author of a book. Yeah. And it just fascinated me. Because one of the common threads I found is that a lot of people in information security are passionate, but they also are passionate about protecting people against threats and, and, yeah. and doing good works. Yeah, this is a really insightful comment because, you know, I, I mean, I've been doing cyber for 25 years, long before it was called cyber. To your point earlier when we started, cyber has become the de facto term people use, right? There was network security and information security and cybersecurity, and that used to only correspond to, like, the threat part of the world. And now people kind of use cyber as the term kind of generically. And what I realized attracted me to cybersecurity is that I actually come from a family, uh, a lot of experience in law enforcement. So my, my father was a part-time policeman. Uh, my little brother went from investigating sex crimes and homicides in New Orleans for 17 years to actually he's now the lead murder investigator for Cook County in Chicago. 
<laughs> and in that family tradition, here you are helping people police their cyber in infrastructure. Precisely. So I assure you that when I talk to my brother investigating murders and suicides in Chicago, I think I'm very thankful I chose cybersecurity. <laughs> wow. Protecting us from different kinds of threats. Uh -huh. Indeed. Bob? It was a pleasure to speak with you. If our listeners are interested in following you and your work or want to contact you, what is the best way to communicate with you? Yeah, LinkedIn, Bob Kelka, K-A-L-K-A. I talk with folks every day, all day. I mean, I've traveled over 10 million air miles with American Airlines, meeting with people and through 10 that. 10 million air miles. 10.7, actually, is what they told me. Yeah, so I've spent three years of my life off the ground. That's, that's a lot of airplanes. That's a lot of airplanes. Thanks for joining us on the Information Security Podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, you can listen to more from the Information Security Summit 2019, featuring keynotes and behind-the-scenes interviews with some of the summit's speakers by subscribing to the Information Security Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app, or go to informationsecuritysummit.org. We'd like to give special thanks to our sponsors, ASMGI and Bright Skies, this has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay secure.